I think that was uh, inspired music today. Uh, wow. Sure, I'm glad to be here again. God is good all the time. Well, if you looked in the bulletin, you saw that I was going to talk about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Over the last uh, month, kind of, a couple of weeks ago, we heard about a triumphal entry, didn't we? Riding on a donkey. Yeah, you know, if you know me, you know I'm going to cry here. A bit, so maybe I can get it out of my system and then I can go on. My eyes have been uh, sweating all morning. Anyway, if you haven't prayed for me, please do. But anyway, who Jesus is, what Jesus does, has done, and let's pray. All right. Most Holy Father, righteousness surrounds you. You are exalted. Lord, if there are any here today who have never believed, never trusted by, faith, by the faith that you gave them in you as Lord and Savior, that they would call upon you today. For those of us who have believed on you, Lord, that we would be ever mindful of exactly who you are and what you have done to save us. And let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. <laughs> you are our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So, to start out with who Jesus is, I like to use the book of Genesis and chapter 1. That's, that's the earliest book we have in our Bible, isn't it? In 1.1, 1, 1, we hear, in the beginning, that God created the heavens and the earth. Now, this is God the Father, isn't it? Yes, and in, chapter, in verse 2, let me read it so I don't make a mistake. Earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. So here we have God, the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 26, the grand introduction. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. The introduction of God the Son. Father, Spirit, and Son. Jesus is the Son of God. This was spoken by God the Father, to the Son, to the Holy Spirit, who were each concerned in the creation of all things, particularly of man. You caught that part, didn't you? God made us in His image and likeness. Right. And then over in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 14. Now, I'm kind of old-fashioned. You might want to pull a Bible out and look these things up as I go through them. You notice there's not any verses up here on the monitor. I'm old. I'm 65 now. So, I can get by with stuff like that. Well, let me look back there. Let me see. Exodus 3.14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say to this people of Israel, I am, has sent me to you. And he was commissioning Moses to go talk to his chosen people. I think they kind of forgot about who he was. And Moses was afraid. Oh, somebody might say, well, who is this God that sent you? Because people back then believed in so many gods. 
foolishness. It is foolish because there is only one. There are no others. All right. I am who I am. I am that I am. God proclaims who he is. This comes from his mouth. It's not any interpretation of anybody's. It wasn't some philosopher thinking things up. Proclaims he is the self-existent one who made God. Some child asked me one day, who was God's mom? Because this child did not believe in God because everybody has everything that's alive has a mom. God is the self-existent one. He is the being of beings. He's eternal, unchanging, faithful in fulfilling his promises. Can somebody think of a promise that God made that he did not fulfill? There's one left. That's the second coming of Christ. He promised to send his son again. God is saying, I am what I have been. I am what I shall be. And I shall be what I am. Enough of Old Testament for now. Let's go to second. Or what is it? First Peter, three five. We want to talk about who Jesus is. No, it might be Second Peter. I don't know why I didn't write that down. Oh, there it is. I've written down something wrong. Can you believe it? That's okay. I wrote it down here anyway. Second Peter, well, whatever it is, three five states that by the word of God, the heavens existed long ago. And the earth was formed out of water and in the water by the word of God. Who is the word of God? Only Jesus. Only him. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus is the only begotten of the Father. The only one of God's kind and is the express image of the Father's person and in all things equal to the Father and a distinct person from the Father. In John 1, 1 through 5. Now, I know I have this one right. We see, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. So here we have it again. It's in Peter, and it's again here in first, or in John 1, 1, to 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him not even anything was made that has been made. It's kind of elemental, isn't it? Can you think of something that's not made out of the elements? He made them all. I could ask you how many things are there in existence, and you could say 90 naturally occurring elements, a few man-made elements. It's a countable number. All things are made by him. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So if you can imagine the universe before creation, it was pretty dark. Light shined in the darkness. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe in through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. That's one we call John the Baptizer. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was come into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. How unbelievable is that? 
He made us. He made this whole planet. He made everything in existence. Some people don't even know who he is. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Has he ever come to you? Have you received him? I pray you have. But all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Do we need any more evidence who Jesus is? There is more. There's quite a bit more. So, he again, God the Son, the essential word of God. So what does Jesus say about him himself? We've heard the Old Testament. We've heard a couple of the apostles have spoken. What does he, what does he say about his own self? Well, let's look at John 6, 35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Oh, we got about 30 minutes before lunchtime, don't we? Yeah. Never. I think this is a spiritual matter, isn't it? When you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have all of him, and there is no more to have, nor will you desire more, because you have him to the fullest. All right. Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Oh, this is chapter 8, verse 12. I'm sorry, I didn't introduce it. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. It's not much fun to walk in darkness because you trip and fall. Follow the light of Jesus. Who is Jesus? John 10, 9. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. That kind of goes along with the 23rd Psalm, doesn't it? Because he is our shepherd, and we do not want, and he makes us lie down in green pastures and leaves us behind beside still water. And we do not hunger and thirst because he is our righteousness. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. I think we heard about that last week, didn't we? 11, 25, and 26. Jesus said to her, who's he talking to? I bet Mary. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And here's the point. You like a point? Here's the point. Do you believe this? Do you? I hope you do. John 14, 6. Oh, there's just two more. There's only seven. In the book of John, there's like 60 times it says, I am, in the book of God, John. And uh, 20 of those are where Christ is referring, where he's referring to Christ. So I've just given you seven of them. So it could be a lot more, couldn't it? Okay. I am. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. How about that emphasis on no? No one. The last of the Jesus' own references to himself. John 15, 5. I am the vine, 
you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Not even anything. All right. So who is Jesus? A lot of times we say Jesus is God's son. That's very correct. Jesus is God's son. Jesus is the living word of God. Jesus is our only savior, our only hope. Now, how about that? Jesus is God. Would you like a picture? There's a picture in the Bible of Jesus being God. Isaiah chapter 6. Back in the Old Testament. Huh? Oh, yeah. If you knew who Isaiah was or if you know who he is, he's the prophet of God. He was probably the most powerful prophet that God put here. Oh, some of them had a close second anyway. What's Isaiah say about Jesus? In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, I've seen weddings, and I see a bride, and she comes down the aisle, and she has this big, long train go behind her, and there might be a little child back behind, spreading out rose petals and picking up the train and stuff like that. The rose of Jesus' garment, it filled the entire temple. He's sitting above her. Above him stood the seraphim. These are the fiery angels. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. Why? <laughs> Holy angels are not worthy to look upon him. How can we? With two, he covered his feet. His feet are dirty. They walk among people sometimes. They're not to come in front of the Lord. With two he flew, doing the work of God. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. If you'd like to change some words in the scripture, go pray for it. Pray about it first before you change anything. But holy, holy, holy doesn't just mean that. It means holier than the holiest, holiness. It's kind of an oxymoron, isn't it? Something like that. There is nothing more holy than the Lord. All right. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the, at the voice of him who called, and the house was full of smoke. So if you can visualize this passage, or go home and study it again. Look up some commentary that you trust in. See what it says. You have a real good picture of the Lord high and lifted up. His, temp his train filling the temple. The angels falling around. Flying around. That's who Jesus is. Right. So since Jesus is God, I think anybody disagree? Talk about that. Okay, Jesus is God. All right. So since Jesus is God, what did Jesus do? Well, I think over the last few weeks, we've heard a triumphal entry, Easter, we have the crucifixion and all that story, resurrection from the dead happened during the week after, or the first day, last Sunday is what it would be, only 2,023 years ago or so. That happened. There's no doubt about it. There's proof of it. All right. There's a guy named Gary Habermas. He's some big apologist or something. He's proved it. He even made a video about it. You might look it up on Netflix. I did. It's really good. Anyway, 
Since Jesus is God, what did Jesus do? Philippians 2, verses 5 to 11. Anybody got this memorized already? We should. Jesus. Anyway, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, this verse 5. Chapter, verses 1 through 4 talk about, um, what is it? I wrote that down. Proper Christian behavior. Because Paul was writing to the Philippians and telling them how this is how you should act. And then he moves on into verse 5 and says, let this mind be in you. Think like Jesus. How did Jesus think? What was his attitude? What's your attitude? Have you believed on Jesus? Or were we done there? Well, we're in heaven. We believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's so much more. So much more. He's going to look at us and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't he? Will you live up to that at all? Okay, keep that in mind. Verse 6. Who? Jesus Christ. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. They did it. Mm. Christ as God. A human being as God? Wait. Christ as God. The same form, the same nature, the same essence, equal with God? Can you imagine? A sinful man? But wait, Jesus wasn't sinful, but he was made in the image of God. A sinful man. Hmm. Christ, as God, the same form, nature, and essence, is equal with God in what way? How about all of them, but eternal. Is Christ eternal? Yes. Was there a day he was born in before eternity, or back, way back in eternity, before the creation? No. He was always with God. The scripture points that out. How about omniscient? Jesus omniscient? Yes. Even with his human clothes on? Yes. Omnipotent, omnipresent, unchangeable, self-existent. Think of anything that describes God, it also describes Christ. How about the names? Does he have God's names also? How many names does God have? Oh my. Here's a few. God, that's the one we use the most. How about mighty God? True God, living God, God over all, Yahweh, Lord of glory. Are those all God? They are. Are they all Christ? They are. All right. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. A bondservant is a slave. They got in big debt. They sold themselves into slavery to pay their debts off. They worked for somebody. It's kind of an humbling thing. You, you were this, and now you're a slave, and you have to work for this person, and you're at their mercy and all that. He took that form. Did he come as a... You know, maybe somebody we think would pay, play for the NBA. No, he didn't. Meek and lowly. Isaiah chapter 42 has a good description of it. You need another picture. And coming in the likeness of men, and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So he emptied himself. In verse 7, he did not cling to his rights as God. Did he have rights as God? He sure did. It's called sovereignty. He has the right to do whatever he feels is right because he is right. So he did not cling to his rights of God. He laid aside his might and power and glory. Took the form of a servant and became like men. The form of God and the form of a servant together. The word's condescension. He left his throne of glory, became a slave, a human slave. Was he really a man, though? 
Yes. God and man at the same time. Yes. You know what started out? He started out as a conceptist. Y'all ever hear of one of them? Yeah, I would call it fertilized egg cell. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, Mary conceived. Not the way human beings do. This was an immaculate conception. And Jesus left his throne in glory in heaven, the highest heaven, and climbed inside a human egg cell. How big is a human egg cell? Well, if you look at some punctuation, maybe in a Bible, your Bible right there, find a punctuation mark that we call a period. Because a human egg cell is the size of a period. That's pretty small. The creator of all the universes, if there's more than one, everything in them, who cataloged all the stars, calls the stars by name, climbed in a human egg cell. And then he became a fetus. And then, no, he became an embryo and then a fetus. That's it. Conceptus, embryo, fetus, infant, toddler, child, teenager, adult, the king of glory. How about that? That's amazing, isn't it? All right. He had the same infirmities we had. Yeah, he might have smacked his thumb with a hammer when he did that carpentry work or dropped a stone on his foot. Maybe he twisted his ankle a little bit. He never broke a bone. That's in Scripture and prophecy. But he got roughed up from time to time, especially when he came to Jerusalem to be crucified. He got roughed up a bunch. He felt hunger and tiredness. Yeah, so if he was here right now, my time goes lunch, isn't it, McCoy? He might. No, he has meat to eat that you know not of. All right. Grief. We never hear much about Joseph after the early parts of the Gospels. Perhaps he expired or passed away sometime. Did he grieve over his stepdad too? Yeah. Grieve with his mom as she was grieving. All of those things. All right. Sorrow. Death. He did. He humbled himself by becoming a man. He was obedient unto death from the cradle to the cross, even the death of the cross. Painful, shameful, accursed. Curses him who is hung from a tree. So I suppose that's his lowest point. There's a song that says he grew the tree that, make, that was used to make the old rugged cross. He knew about that tree from eternity and the seed it came from and the carbon dioxide it grew from. He knew all about that. He came anyway. In verse 9 we see, uh, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. Did we sing about that name today? Talked to Jesse earlier in the week. He prays about those songs. I think God gave him those songs. Appreciate it. Name that is above every name. What is his name anyway? I mean, we called him Jesus here. That's a very common name. It means Joshua, Joshua in English, Yeshua in the Hebrew, I think. I don't know. It says in the scripture that his name's written on his thigh. Right about there where the sword is. How about holiness to the Lord, though? Hebrew priests had a strip of gold across there, and it said, holiness and above it to the Lord. Is that his name? Yeah, sometimes it is holiness to the Lord. Sure is. King of kings, Lord of lords. We've heard of that one, haven't we? Angel of the God's presence. Angel of God's covenant. Yeah, those are some of Jesus' name. Jesus, at verse 10, here we go, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Well, yours? Better here than there. I'm telling you. 
Every knee should bow of those in heaven. Who are those in heaven? Well, the angels. Yeah, they're in heaven. But the saints departed. Key word is saints. Those who have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, they have they passed away. Where they passed to? They passed to heaven. We know where they are. Their testimony testified they believed on Christ. We haven't lost them. We know where they are. We'll join them soon if we have believed. So at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven and of those on earth, both the good and the bad. Both, both. All right. And those under the earth. Under the earth. Hmm. The unredeemed. Have you been redeemed? Verse 11. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. How about your tongue? Will it confess? Yep. Again, better here now than later. Is Jesus your Lord? I hope so. All will confess. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is the glory of God the Father. Being in the form of God, and same nature as God, and essence with God, and equal to God, as he will appear at his second coming, I keep looking off that way. That's kind of a northeasterly direction. I think it might come from toward the east or toward the north or in between. I think if you know, if you got vision, this much vision, if you kind of look up that way, you can see the east and the north and everything in between. Start looking up. If you haven't looked up, look up. You feeling low? Look up. Jesus is coming again soon. For then he will come in the glory of his Father. Now then, what did Jesus do? We already talked who he was. He is God's son. He's everything God is. He was with God in the beginning. What has he done? We know about triumphal entry. We know about Easter. We know that he came to the manger in Bethlehem. We know he went through the natural process of being born like we did. We know he died for our sin. He rose from the dead. Hallelujah. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. He's waiting for God to say, son, go get my children. At the midnight cry, but guess what? It's always midnight somewhere. All right. Romans 10, verses 8 through 10. You should have this one memorized already, too. But what saith it? The word is nigh unto thee. Oh, that's the old King James right there. I've been reading in the new King James. Let me try that again in case you're not used to that English. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth, and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach. Have you ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ before? There it is. The word is nigh unto you. It's in your mind, isn't it? You've heard it before, that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He rose on the third day. He ascended to the Father's throne. He's waiting to come back and get those who have believed on him. You've heard it. It's nigh unto you. It's in your mouth. Have you ever said it? Have you ever said, hey, fella, hey, girl, you need Jesus Christ as your Savior. You need to know him. He loves you. The word is nigh unto thee. It's in your mouth. All right. Verse 9, that if thou shalt confess, what's that mean? Say it out loud. In front of people. Out loud. In front of people. In front of who? The church. If thou shalt confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, 
Jesus is Lord? Yes. Confess in front of witnesses that Jesus is Lord. Who, who in the Bible did Jesus call? They didn't call publicly in front of people. Nicodemus came to him in the middle of the night because Nicodemus was scared that somebody would see him and he'd get in trouble with the Sanhedrin and all them people. Later on, he confessed with his mouth that Jesus is Lord. But at that time, it makes a difference. Okay. Thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Or you are saved when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord because you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. They go together. If you have not believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you haven't been saved. And once you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to confess it with your mouth. Are you ashamed? Oh, I'm so ashamed that Jesus left his throne in glory and came and went through all that stuff for me. I'm just ashamed of it. But I believe it's true. Well, that won't do you any good. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Because you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. Then you are saved. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Public confession by faith. Jesus is Lord and Savior. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead by faith. Jesus is raised from the dead by the power of God. You are saved by faith, by God's power, grace through faith. The book of Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. You must believe. Where do you get any faith? You get it at Walmart? No, I get it at Walmart. Where do I get any faith? How about in Romans chapter 1? I think it's toward the end, around verse 16, maybe, somewhere in there. It says that God has given every single human being enough faith that if they just observe nature, they have enough faith to believe. How much faith do you have to have? I heard about a mustard seed. If you've ever seen one, you can buy a little pendant on the necklace at some Christian bookstore that has a little mustard seed in it. They're not real big. If you have a small amount of faith, even enough, you can believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What do we say for him anyway? I mean, we've been justified by his righteousness, by his righteousness. Don't forget that. It's not any righteousness on our part. We're justified by his righteousness that he imparts to us. Okay, that we receive by faith and we're saved from the curse of the law. What's the curse of the law? If you sin, you die. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Like in the Old Testament, they had to, uh, they sinned, right? So what they have to do now, they have to make sacrifices because, well, Adam and Eve sinned in the garden and then God had to clothe them with animal skin. So there was the first sacrifice when he clothed them with animal skin. We see Cain and Abel, and Abel offered a good sacrifice to cover his sins. Abel did not, or Cain, Cain did not. Abel did, yeah. All right. Say from the condemnation of the law. Ooh. When the judge throws his hammer down, what happens, Daniel? Guilty. Condemnation of the law. All right. The punishment of the law. The punishment of the law is eternal separation from God. 
kind of hot in there too. Don't ever get out. I'll put it kindly like that. Free from the wrath of God by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a horrible thing to be in the hand of God in his wrath. You don't want that. You know what he wants, don't you? He loves you. He wants you to love him back. He's done everything for you. All you have to do is receive it. All you have to do is believe on his name, and you have it. Wow, Jesus did an awful lot, didn't he? I think he did. Ray, there's sure a lot more Northern Baptists than there are Southern Baptists here. All right. Save from the curse of the law, the condemnation of the law, the punishment of the law, the wrath of God. So for with your heart, again, by faith, seeing the Son of God. Did you see a picture of him on the cross? Yeah, we've seen it. People use a crucifix with Jesus hanging on it. We use the, the cross of, what is it? Um, the risen cross. Jesus risen from the dead. He's not on the cross. Have you believed on him? The Son beholding the glory, the fullness, the suitableness, ability, the willingness of Christ as Savior. Have you seen that? Have you experienced it? Have you believed on that? Have you said, forsaking all I had take him, which is an acrostic for fret faith? Have you believed unto righteousness? that is received from the righteousness of Christ, achieving peace with God through Christ. I would not want to have peace with God. I've been reading that Old Testament stuff. There's some people that went up against God. They did it very, very well. Even his own children. <laughs> you know, sometimes he had to punish his own children, and that wasn't very good either for them. And all they had to do was trust him. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? I hope you have. So, have you acknowledged who Christ is? Jesus is Lord, God the Son, Messiah, Mediator, the only Savior, Living Word. Oh, we sang a song about that a while ago, didn't we? Yeah, that was a good song. And our faith in Him. Salvation is by Christ the Wound. The mouth agreeing with the heart. Are you living for Jesus? Oh, looky there. They come out of papers. Have you? Have you believed on him? If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you've never confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you never believed in your heart, what stops you? The Holy Spirit would be calling you constantly so that you would be saved also, so that you can escape. No, not so you can escape the wrath of God so that you can live with God for eternity, which never ends, never has, never will. After about 10,000 years of praising Jesus in heaven, start over again, praise him some more. For how long? Eternity.